Welcome. This is a safe place. Why don't you make yourselves comfortable and have a seat on the couch? This is not quite therapy. Are you comfortable? Hell no, I'm not comfortable. Hey, Brian. Hey, Chrissy. Tell me, how does that make you feel? I don't want to talk about it. Is it going to hurt? Oh my God, this is awkward. I'm not qualified to give advice here, but... Can we sit this close together? This is Not Quite Therapy with Chrissy and Brian, a how-to-do brand show about divorce, dating, and single parenting promised to be packed with awkward moments, insights from a couple cuties with absolutely no professional credentials, but plenty of life experience, and intense sexual innuendo. Yeah, so much sexual innuendo. Are you ready, Brian? God, Chrissy, I'm going to need a drink. All righty then, let's get started, shall we? Today we're going to start off talking about um, all the Japanese words I know. It's about three. <laughs> I don't even know that many. I know a handful. Um, domo arigato, Mr. Roboto. I know that. Yeah. Um, we're going to start off talking about omakase. Uh-huh. I've told you this one. I know this so one. So you know this one, right? Yeah. I don't know the literal translation, but I know what you get when you say it in certain places. Yeah. Uh, omakase means like do as you will, kind of, or like it, it kind of becomes like a chef's choice kind of yeah. situation. So like if you go into a sushi restaurant and you get like a trust me roll yep. or like, a, you know, so it's basically saying to the chef, hey, um, whatever you want to make is what I will eat. Yes. You know, and... I really like that concept. I just want to tell it to our listeners because, I mean, a lot of people don't know about this. And I actually brought up an article that I'll put in our show notes about um, when to do this and when not to. um, Okay. And what you should expect to get. Like, don't go in and do this if you're going to put a bunch of qualifications on it. Right. If you're going to be like, well, I don't like this and I don't like that. No, that's not not omakase, you know? Yeah. Um, If you were to do this actually in Japan... And you asked for the omakase, and then you couldn't have any further communication with the chef. Yeah. That would be kind of rude. You're right. A little bit. Because they expect that if you know a term like this, and if you know how to use it correctly, that you maybe should know a few other things, too. Right. About them culturally, and how to communicate (laughs) with them, which I think is cool. Um, Yeah, so I just wanted to tell people, go out and get some omakase. I went and got some the other day, and I thought about this, and I thought about, this is a word I know that other people should know, because it's just fun stuff. Where's your favorite place in this town to get sushi? Um, it's a tie between um, Izzy, Izzy's, is it Izzy's? Izzy Sushi, sushi Pub or whatever it's called on mm-hmm. Thomasville Road. Mm-hmm. And um, um, Sakura on North Monroe Street. Those are my two favorites as well. Yeah. And in fact. Now, the, then there's a third that's like a close, but it's like a more of a bargain sushi, but it's yummy. And it's a good place to take the kids because sushi rolls there are two for one if you go to Kiku. Yeah, I went to Kiku yesterday. Yeah. I went to Kiku yesterday, and I posted about it on the Tallahassee Foodies, just like a super, super flippant, like, half a paragraph. And, like, 400 people commented on it. <laughs> it was like, everybody right. has a lot to say about the uh, about the Kiku. And it's really because the Asian restaurants here in town are doing a really good job with the social distancing, contactless delivery thing. Right, right. They've got, like, a like a plate glass window and like the credit card reader is outside and the people are inside and then they put your food in a little like like a bank window right kind of and they close it down from the back and then they yeah. open it from the front so yeah, you can yeah. get your food it's kind of adorable it's kind I of liked an it. interesting a very um utilitarian sort of solution a, a, a hard barrier solution to keeping the virus outside of their walls and they have a karaoke machine so they can talk to you through the microphone through the glass yeah kiku has a speaker outside where yeah. you, they can yell at you and, and it's a karaoke machine i didn't 
didn't notice that. I yes, didn't know I, either. Somebody mentioned that on my post yesterday. And I was like, that's really funny. That makes it even more fun. They said sometimes they play music, and I liked that a lot. I thought that was pretty fun. Um, actually, Izzy, one of the places you mentioned, is where I went to get our drink for the day. So let's make a drink. Is it hot in here? Are you parched? I'm parched. <laughs> How about a drink? How to Do Cocktails is brought to you by How to Do Life, a podcast about, well, how to do life. You can listen to How to Do Life right here, where you're hearing us now, or find them on any podcast app. They are literally everywhere. And here's our disclaimer. How to do life right means drinking responsibly and moderately. A drink is not a necessary component to intimate conversations like the one you're about to hear. Here, here, announcer man. Yeah, but it sure doesn't hurt. All right, Brian, so... You asked me to bring one thing and I forgot. I know. You're, you're the worst. I'm telling well, my you. Pre, my pre-show routine was interrupted by an impromptu work meeting and then I got all sidetracked and I was doing a, a conference call WebEx from my vehicle. Excuses. It, it was, excuses. It, it, I have no... That's that's what it was. It was excuses. Excuses. I know. So anyways, tell us what you're pouring. What are you doing? Um, you were kind enough to stop on the way and fulfilled your responsibility, which is to bring the actual alcoholic product but speaking of japan today we decided to do some sake sake and this is not your mama's sake mama sake mama sake <laughs> i don't know this is uh, this is some sort of specialty sort of thing and i it appears to be called uh nigo ri uh-huh n-i-g-o you said that so authentically new word sounded good r-i the r could be a p though so it's either Nigo P or, or Pi, Nigo P, Nigo Pi, or Nigo Re, Nigo Pi. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, it's a, a, a fun little bottle of sake, mm-hmm. but this one has mango added. So it's rice wine with mango added. So it's going to be a little fruitier than your traditional sort of hot sake. And it's someone served cold and not yeah, hot. Yeah, this is a cold one. Um, and when I walked, thank you, when I walked into Izzy, they took it out of their little fridge for me and we had a discussion. She brought out four different Kinds of cold sake. Wait, don't do it without me. Okay. Okay, we got. Are we cheersing? Cheers. All right, cheers. (laughs) (sighs) It tastes like fruit juice. It does. It's juicy. Yeah. Yeah. I would like sometimes sake is like overpoweringly rubbing alcoholish. I feel like it. (laughs) It would take me three gallons of that to get a buzz. Probably. That I, now, well, we're now not I'm here to check. get wasted. No, I know. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> making a point that you can consume it and not be fearful of. Seven uh, percent alcohol, seven to eight percent by volume. So it's not very precise, but it's in that wine category. Yeah, like yeah. a like a weak wine category. Yeah, wines are up at like fifteen percent these days. Wines are, wines are getting pretty serious. So this is basically juice. Yeah, basically but it's delicious. Juice. Yummy juice. It was very good. Um. Yeah, so she got out four different bottles for me, and I said, we're just going to be sipping this. We're not eating a meal, because I don't normally have sake. I don't know if I've ever had sake, not with a sushi meal. Um, Well, I guess that's not true. When I was married to my ex-husband, the first job he ever had was at a Japanese company, and we would go to the Christmas party, and they had a big cauldron of hot sake, Right. and everybody had to take a turn. You go up, and it, it would never work in the coronavirus time, but you dipped out of it kind of like communion at church right? Right, right you did the little dip with the thing and you had to had to drink it so um yeah so i am a fan of hot sake and Same. i'm i'm pretty sure i haven't researched this but I, and i'm not going to waste time googling it now but i'm pretty confident that hot sake is by and large an american invention kind of like fortune cookies 
The hot sake is what they did at the Japanese Christmas party. It was, like I said, a cauldron. It was serious. Right. Yeah. Was this in Japan? Uh, no, but it was a very Japanese company. Most of the employees okay. were Japanese. They had come then over here. Maybe I made that up. You know what else? They all were smokers. Yeah? Like, yeah, the Japanese were big-time smokers. Well, they're, you know, I have no comment on that. But um, <laughs> but the, um, the hot sake that you get at most sushi restaurants these days, you can buy from, like, your local liquor store buy like the gallon jug kind of like um Ernest and julio gallo wine it's like mm-hmm, these big right. big vats of of mid-grade sake that's pretty darn cheap and you can just microwave it or double boil it or something and i was asking do the, it the, house. the girl today when i bought it the, the reason i bought a cold one is because you know we didn't have a way to heat it up here or anything and she said that there is he they only have one kind of hot sake yeah she said and she Same. said that um you know she's like oh, there's no way i can give this to you to go so Yay for Florida right now that we still have to go. She was like, I don't know if I'm allowed to give you this anymore. But then they went back and checked, and they I, still uh, were. I had, a, I had a date last night, and um, we well, – it was kind of a date. But we uh, ordered takeout food, and on a whim I asked – I said, can I order drinks to go? And they're like, yeah. And so I got two, yeah, that we can still do that two nice. margaritas mm-hmm. to go in, like, Dixie cups. It was really nice. I like when you get the margaritas, and they just come in, like, the Chinese takeout container with a lid on the top, like, big – you know, like the big soup container. That's right. fun. That's what my local place does, and I like that. Funny. The other um, Japanese word I was going to do today um, was either gyo or gayo taku. <laughs> gayo taku. Okay. Hey, man, I'm, you were no better. <laughs> Goyo taku. <laughs> you were no better that's with, fine. with your Japanese. G Y O T A K U. G Y O. T A K U? Yes. Gyotaku, I would think. Gyotaku. Gyotaku. What's that mean? It is. Um, Whose mother did I just insult? <laughs> it is the Japanese art of um, fish rubbing. So it's like you catch oh, a fish, the, the paper, yeah, and you and you paint on the like you paint the fish with acrylic paint, and then you put it down on paper and you make a print of it. And I just bought one of these recently, and it's really pretty. And I just took it yesterday to get framed. And I thought, this is pretty cool. Like, <laughs> I think it's a really neat thing. I think um, you went fishing a couple weeks ago. You should have done this. I think, yeah. I mean, mine was done by a, a local artist named Fred Fisher. And I was like, how cool that your last name is Fisher right. and you do the fish print thing. It's, but, it's a cool process. I've seen it done. I've seen video of it being done where they, mm-hmm. they dry the skin of the fish and they paint it. It's very the very it's a very delicate process. Yeah. But and it's the result is messy, but at the same time delicate because you can really pick up individual scales and right. fins and spines mm-hmm. and it's a it's a really it's a, the outcome it can be very very neat. Yeah. It can also um, be a big old disaster, but it's a, a well sure. done one is very yeah. cool. But like a real artist doing it right, you yeah. know, and somebody who's practiced at it. It's pretty cool. And I'm going to put up a link to this guy's uh, gallery so cool. that people can see it cuz it's pretty cool. And um, you can find it in some of the local restaurants, too. They have some of his art on display. Like no, at neat. Cyprus, they have some on display. Huh. Yeah. All right. Want to get into foreplay? Let's do it. Hey, Brian. Yes, Chrissy? Want to fool around? Uh, what are we talking about here? Like, first base? Second base? <laughs> Yikes. I don't think that's what she meant. Before we get into foreplay, I just want to say that I'm really pleased with the cups that we're drinking out of today. <laughs> you to call them cups is a bit of an exaggeration. These are this is fine. I would say uh, Caribbean drinkware. <laughs> I would say so. Uh, on the way here, 
Chrissy texted me because she had picked up the sake. She said, do you have tiny little glasses? And I knew what she meant, like a good little sake glass. And I said, no, I really don't. I don't have any shot glasses or anything of the sort. And, uh, and she says, I'm going to stop at Goodwill for glasses. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, that's really smart because they probably have some decent little shot glasses. And she ended up with these two-tone green and clear glass shot glasses or I don't know what you I mean, them. are these even shot glasses? I don't they're know. They're a little like, big um, to be shot yeah. glasses. What is, what, but... What's the word? They're like uh, cordial glasses. Mm. Um, but uh, they are etched and branded with the Carnival Cruise Carnival Lines Cruise logo. Carnival Cruise Line. So somebody clearly got these a part of, as a part of some sort of drink package 30, 20 years ago, whatever. I and mean, I'm thinking 90s, early 90s yeah, is my guess here. They're in that category. Very heavy bottoms, so like you know, if the boat's like under rocking, like a whole inch, of, yeah, of, like solid glass on the bottom, yeah, like mm-hmm. an inch plus thick, and um, so they seem relatively stable. Like if the boat were to rock, they wouldn't tip over. Oh, see, I think they're intentionally you, you, bottom they're, heavy. Mm-hmm. That's a they're theory. Weighted, but yeah, intentionally. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and so yeah, we are drinking <laughs> our mango sake out of the corniest looking green. <laughs> glass shot glasses you could ever imagine. I texted Brian a picture of these and I said how do you feel about them and he said they're funny and I'm like great because I just bought them they were 99 well, cents each yeah for 99 cents and you can't um, go wrong. they are very fun I like them a lot perfect I like them they're they're awesome all right so today for foreplay I gave Brian homework again I told him to watch a, a comedy, comedy special, special. <laughs> which is not terrible homework no it was great homework um so I had him watch Jigsaw, which is um, the artist, because I think comedians are artists. Um, our Dan was is a guy named Daniel Sloss. He is a young dude from Scotland, um, and the one that we watched is called Jigsaw. He has a couple different ones on Netflix. His first special that came out in the states was called Dark, and they're on the same. Uh, like if you do a search for Daniel Sloss on right. Netflix, you'll get kind of an episode one, episode two. Right. Jig- That's what, when I searched for Jigsaw, it tried to make me watch a horror movie, and I said I don't think that was it. No, no. And then, uh, it, then I saw that Daniel Sloss was a couple down in the list. Yeah. So mm-hmm. if you search for his name, it's easier to find. Yeah, definitely. Sloss, and I was S L O S S. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I messed that one up the first time I tried to do it too. Yeah, and uh, since Jigsaw has come out, he's had a couple other specials come out. I think he's had two or three more. One of them I saw last summer in New Orleans, and it was really, really good. That one was called X, and that one is available on HBO. But the one that we watched today was called Jigsaw. And, and at first I was like, where is he going with this? What's the title mean? And what did you learn, Brian? That 80% of relationships are horseshit. <laughs> And statistically speaking, you're probably not with the love of your life because there's 7 billion people on this planet. And the fact that you met your soulmate 20 miles from where you live Mm -hmm. is an adorable notion, but not likely. Right. So it was basically soul crushing in a very unique sort of way. (laughs) (laughs) It was really, he has a very interesting viewpoint and uh, this, the, the notion of the jigsaw puzzle came from when his do you want to tell this or do you want no, me to? Go ahead. So he uh, he seven year old Daniel Sloss asked his dad what basically what's the meaning of life? Why are we here? And his dad basically dumbed it down to terms that a seven year old would understand, but he sort of unintentionally in, in Daniel's words did a perfect job of it and it really stuck with this guy. And uh, it's that you're working your life is a jigsaw puzzle and you're working at it from four corners. Uh, and if you, but you're doing it, no, 
your life is a jigsaw puzzle and you're putting it together without the box because no one knows right. what the final picture is going to look like. You don't know what the gonna, picture is going right. to look like. And so the best way to work on a jigsaw puzzle if you don't have the box is to start from the outside and work right. your way in mm-hmm. from the four corners. And he described the four corners as being, oh, I'm going to mess this up. Just, uh, you know, the, th- the things that kind of make us go round. You know, you've got right. your friends, you've got right. your job, Co- you've career. got your, you know, those, those kind of things. And Hobbies you, and interests yeah. and something else. You've got these things that you're kind of piecing together and you're looking for this central piece, this central section. And Daniel Sloss's father said to him, and that center piece is the person who's right for you, the person who completes you. And um, our our narrator, our comedian, right. is like, my dad was so right because for him, my mother is that central piece, but not for everybody right. is it another person because everybody's working on their own puzzle. And his basic thesis is you took someone that you met and you jammed them into that center spot and you said, fit here. Right. You know, I'm trying to make, and I'll try to make everything fit around you. Right. And maybe that's not... The best way, not realistic, to yeah. go about, yeah, creating your life. His dad, when you're listening to his dad's sort of poignant explanation to a seven year old, you're like, "That's really sweet." Mm-hmm. And then he later goes to goes on to describe that his happy and his partner are the same piece, mm-hmm. and that's really fortunate for his dad. Yeah, but that's not everyone because right. the message that seven year old Daniel took away from that conversation is that. Without a partner, without a person, you're incomplete. You are not you're, complete. You're broken. Yeah. You're mm-hmm. not whole. And all these other bad sort of things to, mm-hmm. to, to, to sort of drag around with you in your adulthood. And um, he says that a lot of people have a tendency to grab, a, grab onto a person and try to cram them into their, into their uh, mm-hmm. puzzle and, uh, and make them fit when they don't. And I just immediately raced back 20 years to mm-hmm. you know, my, my previous life and all those things and it was just really intense and it was a very for a comedy central it was more melancholy than it was funny but he does it with just enough funny to keep it funny so you're laughing at at the jokes he makes about his dead sister Mm -hmm. and but he's still making jokes about his dead sister right and so Mm -hmm. it's it's an interesting he's an interesting guy yeah he's a really interesting comic and that's what i like about him i like those comics that go a little bit outside he He's not a comic that's going to do a bunch of like dick jokes or, but I mean, he is, right, he's right. going to do some, some stuff like that, you know, but he's also going to bring, he brings a lot of really smart stuff and turns right. it a little bit funny. And the special that I saw last year, the one called X is about toxic masculinity. There's a big section about rape. Um, same and, guy. Yeah. Same guy. Yeah. And, um, and he, uh, like, you're like, this is not going to be funny at all but he handles it really well and he kind of makes a joke within it that i have to do 75 minutes of material that people will really like right and then i get to reserve my final you know 15 or 20 minutes to do the stuff that matters to me you know yeah, I, yeah. I've, i'm contractually obligated to just be funny for this certain <laughs> amount of time and then i can do the things that i think are kind of socially relevant you right. know as well and i don't know i think it's smart comedy i think it's kind of um he deep, makes it, deep he makes comedy it think. in he some ways. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I like it. It's pretty cool. Yeah. He makes another uh joke in there about um he's talking about when you're dating someone and it's not that you don't like them anymore. It's not oh, that they're yeah, a bad yeah. person. Yeah. It's not that anything's particularly wrong. Right. But maybe you've just died inside and you're just yeah. over this relationship yeah. and you don't want to be the sociopath who says, you know, I just 
don't care for you anymore. Right. Like, I, I just really don't want to be with you. And so maybe, maybe <laughs> it will be better if they just died. Yeah. And <laughs> you find yourself cringing and laughing at the same time. Right. It was like, really rough. If they died, then neither of you is hurt. Right. Emotionally. Emotionally. <laughs> right. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah. yeah. It's, it, he's, he, like she said, he, yeah, it's rough. Um, at worth, the, it's worth the watch. It's yes, funny. it is worth the watch. And at the end of the special, he takes credit for breaking up a lot of relationships. Um, should you watch this with a significant other? And should you find yourself side-eyeing them and going, mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> he says that to his knowledge at the time of that recording, he was responsible for 72 breakups. And then he kind of paused and the audience chuckled. And he says, 144 lives saved. <laughs> Right. I gave these children two Christmases. Right. I've got, I've got four children and I gave them two two happy Christmases. I'm like, wait, that math doesn't add up. What's going on? It's pretty funny. Hold I'm on, a I'm, hero. Yeah. I'm trying to Google how many he's broken up now because I know it's many, many more. I've That's seen him a on a couple. That's a statistic online? Yeah, of course it is. Right. It says thousands of couples as of June 18th, 2019. Oh it's like McDonald's. You're going to start changing the sign to <laughs> right. billions and billions served. Uh, I'm trying to see. Like the most recent that I see just on a quick, quick search here is um, 34,000 relationships and 93 marriages back in June of 2019. So if you Personally really, attributed to his remarks. <laughs> yes. That have That's like, amazing. That have like sent him a message on Twitter yeah. and said, you know, like. Thank you for hey, giving man. me the courage yeah. to end my thing. Yeah, wow. to end my thing, which I thought That's was. That's crazy. That's pretty wild. So. I, I joked about myself being the divorce whisperer right after I got divorced. But that guy's like. The div- <laughs> and he's he not is. even divorced. He's just some kid. He's just you know, some, some young single kid. 26 years what old. What I think is neat is after, after this came out. I don't know still. I followed him on Instagram, but I don't, I don't watch him like faithfully on Instagram. Sure. But he ended up in a relationship, and there was one Instagram story where he came on, and he's like, you know what? Screw all of you who are like, oh, you preach this. He's like, it's not that I'm not allowed to have a relationship ever again, you know, because people were giving him shit, right. you know, like you're the you're the divorce whisperer. You're not yeah. the. <laughs> he also has a really great. He opens the thing with a bit on vegans that I yes. just thought was hilarious. I'm not going to spoil it, but just go watch it. Yeah, he is he is irreverent and, um, but not he doesn't he's not irreverent. In like a Jim Jeffries sort of disrespectful sort of way, no. you know, Jim Jeffries is. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's the other. I think he might be also. No, Scottish, I really think but, it's smart comedy. I yeah, really he's do. Really, he's you know, really he's, good. He's he's an insightful, cool kid. And yeah. the other thing I think is neat about him is he does a new special every year. Uh, he talks about that these American comics can go around the fifty states and they can spend three years with the same material. Yeah, he releases something new every single year, like every year new show. Huh. You know, so he's a neat kid and um, he's a comedian to watch, in my opinion. I like the kid. Funny, he's pretty cool. Cool. All right, we'll move on to the down and dirty. Hey, Brian. Yes, Chrissy. I think I'm ready now. So you want to get this off your chest? Let's get down and dirty, babe. It is gone off the reservation. A grand slam home run. All right, today we're going to talk about co-parenting with an ex. Mm. Do you see, um, are, are there differences in terms of how your households either do discipline or like what is expected of them in terms of like, chores or daily life kind of stuff like are, is there major differences between your household that make life easier or harder for your kids um not that i can tell i i don't you know 
you told a story not long ago in a previous episode about your ex coming into your house to wanting to see if your kids' rooms were cleaner at your mm-hmm. house than his. Um, I am probably, I think my wife and I, my ex-wife, ooh, see what I did there? My ex-wife and I are probably both fighting the same sort of uphill battle, you know, against messy children, you know, um, in particular our daughters. My son is kind of a, you know, a B plus sort of messy, but my, my daughters can be fairly slobs, you know, very slovenly in their, in the way they keep their rooms, um, you know, they, they'll they'll leave for the week and close the door. Oh, I heard the candy wrapper story. And he, this week it was cereal bowls. Ugh. They each had two cereal bowls on their bedside See, table. See, you gotta, you gotta like, your kids leave on Fridays, right? Yeah. My don't, kids I, I, I don't need to be told how to do it. I'm just telling no, you my, my situation. You gotta make them clean up their room before they leave. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I yeah. Work, I'm working on it. I'm working yeah. on it. That's, that's just, man, once you yeah. get that. Yeah. Once you get, so nice. right, it'll all be perfect. But so, so, so nice. I'm trying to, I remind them more in real time about, the issues along the way so that it doesn't get that bad I'm, mm-hmm. you know I, I walked up there yesterday and they had lunch dishes on their bedside tables at dinner mm-hmm. and i said hey before dinner i want all that taken care of and they took care of it you know good so they so they're it's not that they're not you know responsive when they're corrected it's just that they don't tend to be the cleanest kids so i probably remind them more often and I sort of probably put my foot down more than their mom does, maybe. I don't know. But that's just me guessing. I, I They don't complain, oh, you're so much more strict than mom, or it's so right. much better at mom's house. I don't get those kinds of complaints. Um, but uh, who knows what they might be thinking. So I, I don't think we have wildly different expectations for our kids. Um, maybe I'm a bit stricter when it comes to the timeliness of some of their expected activities mm-hmm. um i do make them do chores you know sort of the d- activities of daily living you know the uh, clean the dishes and clean the kitchen yeah. and mm-hmm. fold your laundry and like you know i i will wash and dry your laundry and then i'm going to bring you a basket of laundry and ex- expect you to clean or fold it eventually yeah. mm-hmm. and sometimes i'm you know more like right now versus kind of whenever your your free-spirited 14 yeah. year old self feels like it um so yeah i don't, I don't know i will say that like in my house if I call for my kids, if I yell up the stairs for you, I just want you to show up. I just want you to come down. Like, I don't want you to go, what, what? is it? Why? What? Am I in trouble? What do I need? Like, I don't want a hundred things. Just walk your ass down the stairs. Like, And that is a that is a constant back and forth yeah. in my house where I'm like, if I call you, you come. Like, And it, it's kind of funny because, you know, they're at the age now where, but I'm on the phone with my friend, but I'm blah, blah, right. blah, blah. And it's not that there's no compromise. If they say, can I come down in five minutes? I'll say yes, sure. you know, but they're getting pretty well. Like, hold on, my mom needs something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, cause they, they know that it's just going to be. Do your kids ever walk into the room after you've called them like on FaceTime with a friend and you're about to like tell them to do something in front of their friend and you're like, hang up the phone. And they're like, why? I'm like, because I didn't invite your friend into this conversation with right. you. Mm-hmm. I want to talk to you. I <laughs> okay. haven't really. No, this one. Then they say, okay, I'll mute it. I'm like, no, 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 no. Hang up. Yeah. And You uh, don't need to look at your friend's face right, right now. Right, right. No, I, my daughter, though, sometimes, like, I'll walk into her room, and she has not told me that she's on the phone. Yeah. I don't know that someone else is listening to us have a conversation, and I find uh-huh. that incredibly rude. Yeah. And that, you know, like, I'm like, if you are on the phone, and I walk into your room, yeah. you say, I'm on a call, hold on a second, and you put right. that person on pause. You don't just let them listen to us. Right. Because you know I mean? what if I'm going to yell at you? Right. <laughs> what if I'm going to, yeah. you know, like, I don't know. I just, it, it's rude. Like, you should talk to the person that is in front of you. Kid, that's you, This technology thing is wild. Yeah. Kids have mm-hmm. so much more access to their friends. And I think it's it's can be positive 
but it also inter- inter- interjects all these incredible situations that we never had to deal with as kids. Like if, you know, if it, if, if my mom, if I walked in, if my mom walked into the room and I was on the phone, it was because I walked around the corner from the kitchen to the family room where the 20 foot stretchy right. phone cord, Got the long cord and, I, and, and like, mm-hmm. it's, it's apparent that I'm on the phone and she'll tell me, you know, hang up, I need you. And I'll say, okay, Hey, I've got to go. Then I got to physically put a device onto a wall right. and, click exactly. and hang up. Mm-hmm. Not anymore. Now you've got, you no, know, it's crazy. Yeah. And I don't like it when, like, I'm talking to my kid. Maybe she's not on the phone with someone or anything, but she's, like, texting. She's checking something. She's, you know, like, she's doing whatever. And I'm like, no. Yeah. Like, human being right. trumps <laughs> device. Mom, mom trumps all. Parent mom trumps all. wins yeah. Yeah. the entire thing. This morning, when I was getting the new uniforms for them, I had a couple questions for her as to what she wanted for the year. Yeah. And I FaceTimed her, and it, like, went, like, a little half a ring. And she hung it up. Ooh. She didn't answer me. And I did it again, and she hung it up. I did it five times. On the that's, fifth time. That's grounds for phone removal in my house. On the you, fifth thou time, shalt not she answered. ignore my call. No. And I was like, um, <laughs> I can't take away her phone. She's in her dad's house. Oh, um, but, you know, I'd like, take that. I would pause it on my Verizon plan. I, I, <laughs> I had done. So here's a great, uh, so a, a woman that I work with has a, um, they keep a, like, a, basically a track phone in their kitchen drawer mm-hmm. and its name is flippy mm-hmm. and uh if you act a fool your smartphone is taken away Ooh. and you get you get flippy so you're just as contactable by your parents and you know it's got two phone numbers in it moms I and dads like that yeah and so like you you want flippy then you're gonna get flippy and i'll take your iphone you know 10 xr or whatever mm-hmm. and we'll have a conversation about mm-hmm. what devices you need yeah i like that crazy crazy I but like again, that. I might have to get a flippy. Not a co-parenting conversation, but still, it's a good, a good threat. <laughs> a good parenting conversation anyways, right. yes. Mm-hmm. Um, since being divorced, like, I think sometimes when there's not the opposite gender parent in the house, yeah. sometimes gender issue things might come up that can be tricky. Like, how do you navigate that kind of stuff? Like, my daughter is, you know at the like puberty stage and so i deal with most of that stuff i don't expect her dad to deal with that stuff you know what i mean but i do what do you mean by deal with like you know if she wants to have a conversation with a parent about her period she's going to naturally go to her mom right exactly But if she like needs feminine products then i'm gonna target and and she's got to like talk to you know like so so it's kind of buffering that conversation kind you know telling him look she's getting to the age where you gotta have a she she needs a razor. Like you gotta right. have you know you gotta provide this for her. So yeah, of course. I feel like a lot of times I'm telling him like what you know I'm like she you know she's gone up a bra size and you need to get her <laughs> these things. You know what I mean? Like so I feel like there's a lot of conversation with things that like and as my son gets a little older, there's gonna be boy stuff. I presume right. that sure. you know that I probably won't be the best person to talk to him about. Right. You know what I mean? But. I don't know. I think some of those conversations are, you know, like you almost have to communicate with your ex on how this stuff's going to go down as they get older. For sure. For sure. And I think that that's just it. You know, it's it's having sort of a a preemptive conversation about major life stuff so that no one is put in a situation where they have to feel pressured to act unilaterally without the input of the other. And I think Mm -hmm. that's in general, that's like every issue that ever comes up as far as like, you know, my, you know, older child wants to ride somewhere with the older sister of a friend who's 17 and has her driver's license. Are you okay with that? Mm-hmm. And you're like, 
you know, I had to make a snap decision and I didn't, there wasn't time to, you know, jump out and talk to mom. So I, I have to make a decision there. Right. Ideally, I would have had a few hours notice and reached out to mom and be like, hey, this is, this is what's about to go down. Are you cool with it? And mm-hmm. mom says, yeah, you're nay. And we agree. And we kind of have a conversation about it. So I think avoiding those sort of unilateral decisions is important. Like, you know, fundamentally, you need to be on the same page. I mean, talking about going back to the current pandemic situation, you know, we, we are electing to put our kids back in brick and mortar schools. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's probably been a lot of conversation. Right. Yeah. If, and if we had had a fundamental disagreement on that topic, that's a situation that people go back to court over. Right. And like exactly. let judges decide. And that's just mm-hmm. not that, that, you know, and I'm grateful. Like I said, I, I go back to the beginning of my remarks which were that I feel like my ex and I have a very uh, productive relationship in that respect. Mm-hmm. And we there isn't a lot of hairy conflict because at yeah. the end of the day, we're two pretty reasonable people. Mm-hmm. And, we, you know, I tend to be a bit more logical and she might tend to be a bit more emotional, but she has enough of a logical side so that I can appeal to her logic and say, here's here's how I see it. Um, do you agree or disagree? And then we can talk about the disagreement points if there are any. Mm-hmm. And we've had a few of those, but it's just about open communication and texting and, and making sure that you sort of get your thoughts out. And that's the other thing. Like I think that sometimes texting those conversations is better than having them on the phone because you can craft your words yeah. more carefully mm-hmm. um, and it presents a written record if you ever needed to prove right. that you said exactly. X, Y, or Z. Yep. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, so, I, you know, it's just about that open communication and don't be don't be one to make snappy sort of unilateral decisions right. if after the fact you kind of cringe and say, I probably should have checked with mom on that one right. or dad or whoever. Yeah, I think that um, I'm fortunate in that sense, too, that usually we'll land somewhere within the same, you know, ballpark and, right. you know, be able to be able to find out what we think is going to work and what we think is going to be OK, right. you know, and when we don't like it's never gotten so ugly or so i mean i do definitely have friends who are divorced who wow their stuff is hard and when i see that it makes me more grateful for a fairly reasonable you know relationship with my ex in those regards you know um do you feel like i mean we've already talked about a little bit if our relationships with our children have changed and that we both feel like our relationships are a little bit better probably with our children since being divorced um do you feel like you're a different parent, or do you feel like you parent in the same way? No, I'm pretty much the same. I, I, you know, I, I hope we're always getting better. I hope I'm always improving. Mm-hmm. You know, as life presents opportunities for growth. Um, but yeah, I haven't. Uh, like, you know, some. I feel like some dads stereotypically were sort of check out because mom was the disciplinarian or mom was the primary parent. So when you go to dad's house, it's kind of a free for all. I, I can see where that would be the case, particularly since I'm working from home. Mm-hmm. You know, my son lately has sort of taken over the downstairs living room area, TV, laptop situation. My girls more or less stay in their separate corners in their room throughout the day. Mm-hmm. If we're not going anywhere and they're doing anything. And then I end up working from my bedroom mm-hmm. a lot of the day. Um, and uh, and so, you know, they, they sort of are governing themselves while I'm, you know, maintaining my career yeah. from, from a distance. Um, so that's, you know, put them in a situation where they've got to be a little bit more self-starters. Like I don't have time every day to prepare everyone, you know, breakfast and lunch. You kind of right. got to be on your own a little bit. And yeah. These days, like if you're up with me at breakfast time, you get breakfast. And otherwise, if you sleep until 1030, you're going to do oatmeal or cereal by yourself. And that's kind of, totally. that just has to be yeah. fine. I mean, and really that's summer vacation for us growing up. Yeah. Like nobody 
planned our day for us and right. entertained us and, you know, did did all the stuff. I mean, that's just kind of, it is what it is. You yeah. know, like you, you get up, you occupy yourself until we're going to do something as a group, if we're going to do something as a right. group and otherwise figure it out, you right. know, figure right. out your own day. And yeah. I think that's, you know, that's just how it is right yeah. now. I think for me, um, I feel like the older my kids get, the better I get with them because we yeah. can have more adult logical conversation. We can have, mm-hmm. you know, like when they were really little, I mean, it was fun, you know, but this is more like we're just a team. Like me and yeah. my kids are very much a team. Yeah. And I do think that that is the difference between our households because at my house, like if I do yell up those stairs and you need to come down, it's very likely that it's because I'm going to say, well, the trash needs to go out and my kids will just walk over and one will grab the recycling and the other one will grab the trash and they'll just walk out and drop it in the bin and then yeah. go on about their day. And I don't think that that kind of stuff happens at their dad's as much. I don't think there's that same kind of everybody has to do things to make this house work. I think it's yeah. more of a there's the parents and then there's the kids, yeah. you know, and I think ours is more of a there's just a family unit. There's right. just more of a collective thing. You know? right. So it's probably a little different for them. But, sure. you know, I don't think that it's so disconnected that they struggle. Yeah. They might if they were younger. Sure. But I think since they're older, they just kind of know there's different ex- yeah. expectations between M- these two places. Maybe they appreciate the ability to coast at one parent's house. Mm-hmm. And maybe they just have kind of accepted the fact that they can't coast so much at the other parent's and house. And I don't, I don't even know. know if it's that. Like... I think that my son particularly really craves structure. Yeah. Like he tells me pretty frequently, he's like, I really like being here and everything just has a spot where it's supposed to be and it's just in that spot. And right. it's just a like a lower level of, of I don't want to say chaos because I don't think that his dad's house is chaos, but you know, right. but it's just, it's just a more structured, predictable environment, I guess. Yeah. And... I think there's an appeal to that in some ways, and I think that there's probably a lack of appeal to that in other ways. Right. You know? So right. that's really all I have for today, Brian. I don't oh, have a whole lot. Well, that's easy. Yeah. I think that um, co parenting is just one of those things that there's no, well, I say there's no manual to it. You can, re- you can read 10,000 articles on co parenting, and, and I read mm-hmm. several things before we got to the point of having to make those decisions. But that, you know, that avoiding. Avoiding unilateral decisions when it comes to things that may be controversial is a big, a big thing. And just having a, you know, trying your best to maintain a friendly relationship with your Mm ex-spouse. I had a good example of that growing up. My my mom and dad, to my knowledge, got along okay. Mm -hmm. They weren't married anymore, but they didn't hate each other. They never talked bad about each other. And, you know, they sort of, you know, got along well enough so that I never noticed any, you know, horrible dysfunction in their co-parenting relationship. Right. Mm-hmm. I've, t- I've said before that, you know, my parents didn't have a 50-50 arrangement. So being at my dad's house was always a bit more like being on vacation because mm-hmm. I didn't live there, live there. I visited there. Mm-hmm. I lived at my mom's house and I visited my dad. Right. And so my mom's house naturally came with more chores. I right. Had a, I had a room that I trashed 80% of the time. And <laughs> so I had to clean it. Never had to clean much up at my dad's house except right. for some dirty laundry. Um so just it was a different kind of life. But now my kids have a 50-50 split between me and their mom's house. And, and um, you know, how a house has to operate. And my mom, my ex-wife and I are, are not, you know, maids and butlers. And right. so we have mm-hmm. pretty much a common expectation that they're going to take care of their stuff. 
that's all that we can do is set yeah. up the best, you know, common we, expectations that we can for yeah. our kids and, and go from there. And when those big outside conversations come up about major life things like paying for stuff or whether the kids are going to go to camp or and whatnot, like you can't just decide and then let the other person react. You, co-parenting is a cooperative process right. mm-hmm. and you have to be on the same team. You can't make a decision without talking to the other uh, unless you're just looking for problems, in my opinion. I don't know. I agree. All right, friends, um, check out our show notes. We're going to have uh, information about omakase, information about Kiyutaku, Kiyutaku. <laughs> We're going to have, um, I'm going to put up a link to an article that I wrote for our local Tallahassee Democrat about Jigsaw, um, oh. the uh, special that we talked about today. And um, I don't know, anything else fun that we find? Any co Maybe we'll find a. Quality co-parenting one of the, article. One of the 10,000 we'll co-parenting fun. articles. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's so many. Maybe we'll pick one. <laughs> maybe, maybe we should just write one because we're both so good at it. Because we're super incredible at right. it. And um, I guess until next time. See ya. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Would anyone like a tissue? I'm fine. We're fine. Everything, Everything is, is fine. fine. Got a question for Chrissy and Brian? Connect with Not Quite Therapy on Patreon, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Don't forget to check out How to Do Life, too, on all these platforms and on the podcast app of your choice. Hey, Brian. Yes, Chrissy? That was kind of fun. I think I need another drink. Whew, those two are special. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>